And joining me now is my good friend, Ms. Barb Lampson. Barbara, I was out in the garden till dark last night, after dark actually. I was um, redoing the lily bed and I'm going to put... Uh, more lilies in. I took, I had a couple of raised beds in there that I had vegetables in. This is out at the lake. And the raised beds, Barb, are about 12 inches deep or so. But you know what? The tree, the trees, there's trees that are about 25 feet away, but the roots from those love that soft, nice, easy draining soil. And so those were filled with the roots of those maples. Oh, and wow. so when I took those out to clear the garden to put all the lilies in, I was, I've been digging roots and that's a lot of work. It is a lot of root work. Eh? You know, um, the thing about being a gardener is um, <clears throat> we want things of least resistance. Well, we in the, yes. And, and, you know, generally raised beds are really good. But I'm, but not near trees. And I mean, we're talking 25 sure. feet at least, but still, right. uh, mine in town don't get that because there's no trees around. But so that's, that's a lesson I learned. Right. I, we always learn lessons. <laughs> I, I just wanted to do one silly thing. Yes. I, we were out driving last weekend, enjoying the beautiful color and tell, you know, there, it, you don't have to go far. Even Glenwood Avenue or it's Monk's beautiful, Avenue. Yeah. It's beautiful, yeah. We live in such a beautiful part of the state. Anyway, we saw lots and lots of beautiful trees. <clears throat> and when you're in the country and you, farmers have these beautiful yards, lovely trees, but so often now you see a great big shed. And I said to David, these metal sheds. <laughs> and I said, what do people put in there. I've been noticing a lot more going up uh, uh, when we go by, by on the, out to the lake. There's There's been about three or four been put up in the last year or two. What? And well, I don't know. They put their toys, I guess. They do that, but here's something else. Here's a new word for you. Oh, okay. The, the uh, Many people also will put into their shed a man cave oh. or a, oh, dear. Or, or, or a recreation room. Really? Where the whole family goes, and there you have the ping pong table and things like that. Oh, well. Or some of them are putting in an apartment, and they're renting it. So when you take a shed and you make part of it a house, it's called a shoes. <laughs> you take the a shoes or a shouse. Well, shoes or shouse. Okay, S H O U S E. No. Um, S-H-U-S-E. Oh. Shoes. Okay. I've so never, I've, that's something new I learned. I know. I've, I've, I got this. We went and visited these people, and um, and she told me. And I said, you know, I I just can't believe this. You know, uh, well, who would, you know, who would have thought of this, that you could do this? But sure enough, those great big um, metal sheds. <laughs> They're not really a shed, are they? Machine shop. A shoes. Well, yeah. no, we had friends up in Duluth <clears throat> who have had one over for over 25 years. It's this giant shed where they there's cars and all kinds of equipment and, and things. Sure. But they've got this other part that's blocked off that is literally uh, like an apartment that's got all everything you need in there. And, and they have rented that out to people. Yeah. And and yeah. so, yeah. but So they've had it for a long, long time. So I guess it's been done, but it yeah. isn't real... I, yeah, I've never heard so of it. now it's got, I mean, now it's so popular that it's got its own name, a shoes. Well, it's funny because I, I was thinking of our shed. We had a shed that was half 
was the calves and then the half was machinery. You just think you could live in that part and then have the calves next door bellering all night long. Yeah, well, some people <laughs> might consider that a real education if they could rent something like that and be that close to to uh, calves and nature, you know. Right. Yeah. So it would smell a little, <laughs> but anyway, that's... <laughs> well, you know, um, I was going to talk a little bit about the vegetable garden up at uh, Good Council. We're about done with um, with gardening for the year, and we're cleaning up, taking out tomato vines and things like well, because that. Because they're going to be ending <clears throat> um, the, the, the gardens up there, correct? Because the nuns sold that property. So you are gardenless now, or what's the scoop? We, we're... we're um, what is it when you're in between and you don't know what's going on? Transition? Um, it's more than a transition. We're, we're not sure because the nuns aren't sure yet oh, either. So so maybe next year? Yeah, so maybe, yeah. There's a big maybe. But we have to assume that, okay, we will be. So we have to prepare this garden plot, these 50 feet that we have, just like we're going to be coming next year. And we will spade it up and uh, we will cover it in the fall with uh, our wonderful shredded leaves because we don't want to leave bare soil. We want right. to sequester the carbon, continue to do that. And uh, and also we have, you know, all the strawberry plants up there and the rhubarb plants and a few other perennials, and they have to be thoroughly watered. And this is for just anybody. Uh, we have been so short of moisture. We normally get, um, well, we're 16 inches short, I'm going to tell you. We are 16, because I know the last time you said we were 14, and now we're right. 16. We're, that is tremendous. And I've told you, when I've been digging out in that garden, I've been going down 12 inches, and it's been dry. And I had one of our listeners sent me a note on the text when I was talking about that. He's gone down at least two feet to put in a post, and he said it's bone dry, too. Yeah, yeah. I it's just it's unbelievable. And you know, it's so important to water and to water really deeply because when you water deeply, the roots go down deep and this is so much better because they can the longer the root the more they can store up and Did last you, i mean last through these survive through these droughts and things because if you're watering your grass every day or you know a, a lot if you for some reason can't your little roots are not very long and right right it's it they're right up at the top right. they don't survive the drought and the heat and when we put fertilizer on them it's just what do they do it's like um dumping something on and then it's just not because the root isn't of the size that it can take up and use that. So it's just a waste of your money. You have to know the cycles of turf grass. And when the turf grass is, is dormant, you have to let it be dormant. You're not doing it a favor by going in and watering one day because you think it doesn't look good. Talk a little more, bit of, more about that, Barb. The, the So when is the best time to water for your <coughs> turf grass and when to stop watering? Well, so January, February, and March are dormant seasons for grass. Right. You know, it's under the, the snow, froze. the snow starts melting. The end of March, if we don't have a big snow load, the snow starts melting, and then the first that you can see the soil, you'll see a little bit of green. Mm -hmm. It's not actively growing, but it's starting to wake up a little okay. bit. And then from March, you go into April. April, the... the Soil, the snow continues to melt, and you see more greening up. 
and usually by April 15, it's growing vigorously. And a lot of times within the next few days, you can mow. Sometimes you can mow a little earlier, but it depends on what the temperature is. And, and the grass is growing then because it's a cool season. It loves that cool weather. Absolutely. That's when it really does thrive. So then you've got, you've got the rest of April. You've got May. You've got all of June. Those are high. That The grass is just growing, and that's when you would do your fertilizing. When it's and, actively growing. Yes, when it's actively growing. And you would, you know, um, even mowing, if you set your lawnmower up at least four inches, that's so much better for it than to be scalping it off and mowing it off. And it, it, I think people think if they scalp their <clears> lawn <throat> that they don't have to mow as often, but that, you know, then you're opening yourself up to having weeds popping up because that's the right. grass protects uh, from the weed seeds from, from germinating and that sort of thing, and it's just so much more healthy for the grass. Right. So after July 15th, the, the grass, it's hot. The grass is starting to go dormant again. So then by the time we get into August, it is dormant. You shouldn't, I mean, it's going to be looking brown, but it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's part sleeping. of the cycle. Right, right. So <clears throat> then you get into September, and in September, it starts cooling down a little bit. And by the, oh, September 15th, it's, it's starting to actively grow again. But then it takes, it's not growing really fast, and then slowly picking up until you get into October. And then you've got, then you've got grass going full blast again. So when should we fertilize? Because you talk about the spring when it's actively growing and it's coming back again. So when to fertilize in the so, fall? So in the fall again, <clears throat> looking after October 15th, because... So after f October 15th is when you really should fertilize. Yeah, that, that would be an opportune time. Okay. Yeah, what happens, um, when, it's, when it's dormant, if you fertilize too soon, um, it, it's, it wakes the grass up. It needs to be dormant. It's just such an interesting thing. Grass seems to be like us. I mean, when we need to rest, we need to rest. <laughs> and the grass needs to re be resting. And, and it's also... Um, the roots are recovering during that time. So then it wakes up, and you can water it, and you can uh, fertilize it and get it ready for going going dormant again in November. So And we uh, <coughs> seeding, people talk about seeding in the spring, but after October 15th is and into November is the time you can dormant seed, yes. which means when the soil is at least 55 degrees or, or less, that the seeds aren't going to be germinating, so that way you'll be ready for the next year. So I'm having um, some core aeration done out at the lake house, so after the 15th, or when it starts to get cooler, the, the soil's cooler, I'm going to be doing some dormant seeding, meaning the grass won't sprout, but it'll be able to get good soil to seed contact because the snow comes on it, you know, and basically that's what you really need, and then go through winter and then be ready to come up in the spring. Yes. And as a matter of fact, the soil temperature right now is 71 degrees. So it's warm still, very warm. Right. So we'd like to get it down to 55. And actually, 55 to 60 is the optimum soil temperature that you want that to be. Yeah, or or less for the dormant seating. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so, well, we've got work to do. and We do, you know, and um, our grass, I mean, um, bluegrass, turf grass that we grow here, 
really you can kill it by by taking it out of dormancy and and adding too much fertilizer. You add fertilizer at the wrong time when it's hot, uh, and you've seen you're stressing this, it. Yeah, you've seen this on lawns, and people will say, and maybe even people will tell you, well, it'll come back, not necessarily. Or or they think they just need maybe maybe it needs more fertilizer or something yeah, because right. it's dying, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Well, you know, if you don't know the the. <clears throat> That's how, right. How it works, I guess that's kind of what you might yeah. logically think, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. So uh, the other thing that I'm doing now is today when I go home, I'm going to turn my compost pile. Okay. I'm making compost, and I'm so delighted to see leaves coming down on the grass. Oh, I've got a lot of leaves coming, yeah. Right. You know, that's carbon. Carbon is the building block of life, and we need carbon, and we need that in companionship with nitrogen. The two of those together is what what we need to add. And then we get this wonderful compost that we can put into our, um, this fall, when you're planting in that, work this organic matter into the soil. If you're gonna plant anything, um, I don't care how often you've been adding organic matter, you still need more. It's almost like you can't get enough. I mean, I suppose there is a point where you get too much, but I don't know what point that is. So we got a question from a listener on the text here. It says, are we supposed to cut back strawberries now? I have a second year crop. Yeah, I don't cut back strawberries. I've never done that. Um, I just uh, make sure that they're watered really well. Um, if you want to eliminate, if, if you've got um, a bed, and this, uh, um, the original plants are getting older, you could go through and till that original row out and then just keep the sister plants. So the old plants maybe pull yeah. them out or get them out of there? Yeah. So they yeah. aren't so too thick. Uh, yeah, right. And, and they're, as they get older, they don't produce as well. It's the young ones that are, of course, I producing. had a neighbor who was uh, cutting off their hostas yesterday. It's too early to do that, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't know what the benefit for that would be. Um, you know, sometimes I, after it freezes, I'll take the leaves off because I have a slug issue, and sometimes the slug eggs yeah, stay in there. Right, but right. then uh, after it freezes, I will put some mulch on to pr to protect the, the, the crowns of the hostas and that sort of thing. But there's really, it's just really kind of early for that yet. I, I just wouldn't recommend that at all because, you know, okay, so the leaf is there to... Um, uh, to to provide the roots uh, with with the energy that it needs to give you a nice crop next year, and you're actually shutting down the factory is what you're doing. And there's still sun, and there's still the soil still warm. So and we have high expectations that we're going to start getting rain. <laughs> oh, I hope so. We need it so desperately. Yeah, so as far as cutting stuff back, I mean, I, I think it's just too early. Because I think for things like um, other plants, wait till it, they freeze. And then, you know, if you want to do and some cutting. And some things have died. You know, like um, even leaves on the hosta. There, there are some leaves that are yellowed. Yes. Okay, just go through and cut those off if that bothers you. But so far as the whole plant... I, I wouldn't recommend that. And then, of course, I've got beautiful dahlias. I, I can't even tell you how beautiful the dahlias are this year. It's just like they just love this year. Well, I watered them too, but 
they are the kind of things that if you want them to come back next year, you have to wait till it freezes hard. Right. They'll turn all brown and ugly. And same with my elephant ears. And then when it freezes, I will go out in the garden and dig up their... Carefully. Yes, very carefully dig up the tubers. And then you, if you want to have them come back, you have to save them and, and put them inside. Right. Dry them off, you know, just uh, don't... Uh, if you have a place where you can spread them out and that if there's any soil clinging to them, that will come off. Then, Now, I think our friend Harvey, I think he washes his. Yeah, some people do. Yeah, yeah some people right. wash them, and I think you can do that. The main thing is just get the big clumps off so right, you're not... Right, exactly. And then fi- put them into a cool basement. Or and that's what room. I... The, the problem I had last year was I put it... Uh, we had... Uh, I used to put it in the lake house basement, and it used to be fine, but then we had everything insulated and everything oh. so it got warm and a lot of those things dried up on me sure so you got to have that they like 40 45 50 degrees uh, maybe yeah you know Karen I have had the same problem especially with these hybrid uh, dahlias there there was a, a sort of a uh, one that my mother always had, my grandmother always had, it made a smaller red flower on it. And I suppose our basements were cooler, but they never got any special uh, attention. Mm -hmm. They were in the same room as the potato room where the potatoes were kept. And and they just produced and produced and produced. But now some of these, these hybrid ones that are doubles and huge flowers on them, it's a, they're a little bit more fussy. You have to be checking them throughout the winter to make sure they're not shriveling up. Well, I, I told you, I thought, you know, mine were pretty shriveled up, and I thought that they were goners, my, my dahlia tubes. And, mm-hmm. and, and our friend Harvey Hess said, why didn't you give them to me? And he believe it or not, got them to grow. So I was just going to throw them out, and Harvey had the faith that they were still going to make it, and they are the most beautiful dahlias I've ever seen. You know, that is one thing about experience. Um, I don't think that you can learn uh, to garden from a book. I think when you're out there and year after year, you're experiencing different conditions and different things happening. And Harvey has said that um, when he checks his... And and I don't want to say this wrong, but I think what he does, if he thinks they're getting a little dry, he puts a a, a wet, um, wrung out washcloth in there. Oh, over top, top or something? Over the top. Okay. And then uh, kind of reconstitutes them like that to keep them going. And then he takes that out there. You wouldn't want to leave it in there because you'd have mildew. Right. But he doesn't... Uh, you don't sprinkle water in it or anything like that. And, you know, that's true of our basements. A lot of times they may be cooler, but they also may be too dry because we have humidifiers and things going, right. pulling the moisture out of and, the air. And basements aren't as cold as they used to be, you know, because no. the homes are built a lot tighter now. So, you <clears> know, I was thinking of the, the lake house out there, and when we had everything kind of insulated and everything all of a sudden it got hot and dry very dry too so sure yeah you know one of the things I'm going to move up to my house in town from the garden um, uh, out at Good Council are the winter onions or sometimes they're called the walking onions they are uh, an old variety 
and they get the onion on top. Like the, the scape, is that what they call it? Uh, it's not a scape. They get an actual bulb. Really? So oh. they have five or six on top. They look like um, shallots. Okay. We, we, you take them in the spring. They're very mild. And you chop those up. You save some, maybe a few more, and you plant them back down in the ground again. Okay. And then start the whole plant all over again. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it, kind of cool. It's, it, you know, it's it's a really nice uh, plant. I can see why immigrants brought them to this country, because they do grow so easily. Barb, I, this is the first year I planted some garlic. I got garlic, and ah. this time I got it in probably a few weeks ago. <clears throat> so am I okay? Because last year I waited till it was, oh... <clears throat> really, really, really late, sure. and so they all, they didn't make it. So if I've got them in now, or can you still put them, or are we done with the... You know, um, I have no problem with planting my garlic in late uh, because uh, they, they're they so easy to grow. If you have your soil worked up, so you have lots of organic matter Well, I failed, there. though, but I I put it in a raised bed, so maybe, it, maybe they froze or something. It, it got it's correct. very possible that they did, and it was probably... The soil really warms up in a raised bed much faster, you know. True. So maybe it was too dry and conditions weren't good. And if you had in your raised bed, if you have roots, roots and things coming in there, think of the competition that right. anything has with that. Um, you mentioned, uh, we were chatting the other day, you were talking about planting herbs and things among your plants. Yeah. And I did plant those garlic bulbs amongst the, I planted a whole bunch of blue fescue grass. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, it'll come up in there and then the blue fescue will take <clears throat> hold and these will be there. But you said that's something you want to think is a good idea to do more. I'll put herbs amongst your other garden things. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. There's no science based here. But if you read companion gardening and things like that, with my rose bushes, I have oregano. And you said, well, be careful because that really shoot, takes off. Well, it, it can get, the seeds can, can spread far and wide, yes. But it, it blooms, it gets a purple bloom on it. Mm-hmm. The bees come, the pollinators come, and it's so easy to yank it out. I, I just absolutely love to do that. So uh, the reason I have it there is because I think it helps with insect control. But here's another thing that's good for insect control, having a yard full of birds. The birds right now, well, they're just all over. They're in the grass. They're, they're in, uh, in the flowers. They're, they're, they're looking around. They're filling up for the winter. They're going to be uh, survive these cold winters, or maybe they're, they're um, bulking up so that they can fly south. That's what uh, we chatted with Al Bat about that earlier this week because I've been seeing bluebird or blue jays in the yard, and he says, oh, "Yep, too. they're yes. on the way." Because otherwise, <laughs> I don't normally see those, and I've seen so many. But we've got that little pond in the back, and of course, the birds love the water as well. So they do. the birds are on the move. That is that they, is true. Oh, um, Dave said he counted in our trees about one batch of about fifty birds. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and 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 they were by. Uh, the tree is here, and down below is the bird bath, and and then there's the pond, and then there's the two feeders, and they were busy, but they didn't stay very long. Nope, they're just but, traveling through, taking a little break. Speaking yeah. of the pond, Barb, when do you start getting your pond ready to um, put to bed? Well, it'll be any time now. Um, <clears throat> we try to hold off as long as possible. Because we're getting some below freezing temps. Yes, beca- but the fish can 
tolerate this and uh, everything in it looks good I mean the the temperature hasn't bothered the water lily or the water hyacinth or or the um, lettuce uh, in there so I mean it looks good but it will have to happen now probably within next seven days or yeah, so. Yeah, as I was looking at the, <clears throat> the weather for the next, oh, next week, there's a lot of days that are going to be in the 30s. So, yeah, probably getting close, you'll start to see that little ice on the top. Right, right. We, we are in need of another um, aquarium. We've had another batch. I told you earlier this year, David cleaned out the pond and he Well, Barb, I have uh, a 50-gallon one you can come and take if you'd like. Oh, I need it. Okay. Desperate. Okay. Because otherwise uh, I was going to sell it, but I mean, you can come and take it if oh, you want. Oh, you can have it back when you want it. <laughs> when you change your mind. <laughs> when I change my mind. Okay. Yes, yes. Well, that will be fine. So, well, that's good. We got something settled there today because otherwise I was yes. looking at selling the darn thing because it has a relatively new uh, pump and everything, but then uh, I... Well, well, my fish died, and I gave them to you because the pond, as you know, my pond got a leak, and I just decided right. it was too expensive to refix it because they are very expensive. And you know what? Fish have to be maintained. Right. You they, can't just throw them in a little no, pond. No, and forget about them. Nope, nope. They need Their aeration. need to be changed. Yep. They have to watch the water levels. You know, this, this last two years, with it being so dry, we've had to add Yes, uh, a lot of water. water, and we don't really like to do that for the fish. So, but so now we've had our second batch of babies. How many do you have, Barb? Well, before this batch, we had fourteen. Oh my but now, you know, now, now we ha we don't know exactly how many are down there. Wow! So they obviously you gave us a koi that it's a breeder. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, it well, must be breeding. Well, I'm glad that it's working well, but you know, you'll know as soon as those water hyacinths, the 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 uh, pond plants, you'll know when they freeze that it's a good freeze because that they'll just turn brown like that. Yeah, exactly. And then they go in the compost pile. Yeah, they're they, excellent for the compost uh, pile. They really are. My gosh, it's worth having a pond just to get all that rich nitrogen from them. Holy moly. Well, and you could come and get some more pond plants if you need to. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. But this is good news. I'll tell you what, I'll call and find out when it's convenient to pick up the aquarium and we'll do that. You need a pickup truck because it's a 50 gallon. It's pretty big. I bet it is. And <clears throat> we'll have to go to 3rd Avenue first because I have the truck full of um, stuff that needs to be... Speaking of which, yeah, the, don't they close the um, the brush dumps eventually for the winter, do you know? Or do they keep those open? Because, I mean... yeah, You know, I think they are open all winter long. But I, I wouldn't... I mean, I don't know, but... Um. Oh, you know what? We should mention this. You're talking about brush and, and leaves and things. It reminds me, do not rake your leaves in the street. Oh, yes. They will come by and suck your leaves up. But they don't want them in the street because of what happens is they can wash down the drains, and that is not good for, uh, it's a bad for pollution. and uh, For all the rivers and lakes and streams, just try to keep things out of there so that we don't have a future problem here. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's so easy. Last year I went, my neighbor, he didn't realize that when they said they would come by and pick them up that they 
he put them on the street. Right. That's they, what a lot of people do, thinking they'll suck it up. But no, put it on the edge, but not over the curb. I went over with my gardening bags, and I was raking them up and putting them in there. Pretty soon he came outside, and he started helping me. He said he didn't know. Right. So he, that's he's, good he's, advice. Yeah, he's from Cambodia, and he's, you know... Yeah, so really good advice. All right, Barb, we are out of time, but it's always great to chat with you. Uh, enjoy this weekend. It's supposed to be pretty decent. and Well, enjoy the leaves. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, lots of great color. It is one minute past 10. You're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at KMSU.org, broadcasting from the KMSU.